0: That's ljsinnercircle.com, or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. For the first time in Learn Jazz Standards podcast history, I am re-recording an episode. This episode. This is not the original version of the episode that I had planned, and there's a few reasons for that I'll go over a little bit later, but I wanted to be sure to make this episode special. And I wanted to do it the right way to conclude Jazz Blues Month here on the podcast. So I'm going to dive in today on the secret sauce for mastering a jazz blues. This is really what it comes down for me, not just with the jazz blues, but with all the stuff that I do for becoming a better jazz musician. But it's really going to tie together for jazz blues, and we're going to close this thing up right. So let's jump right into this. Let's get fired up and do this thing. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now, your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. All right, what's up, everybody? Brent here from LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, podcast, and videos all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. That's right, we are concluding. Jazz Blues Month in today's episode. I mean, this has been a great month, right? I've been really enjoying this. I love talking about jazz blues, whether it be the strategies that we talked about and the three pillars of jazz blues language, whether we are talking about the mapping that we did the episode before, or the very first episode of this month, which was just why a jazz blues? Like, why is it even important? Why spend so much time working on a jazz blues? Because jazz blues has really had a big impact on my musicianship, on my jazz playing. And it's really... Uh, a, a song form that not only is it important to jazz music itself, there are so many tools in it. And if we can master improvising over a jazz blues, it just opens up so many different doors for us. So like I said, I did re-record this episode today just because I want to do this right. And originally, I I sort of was just going over my exact strategy for my practice program for, uh, for, for mastering jazz blues, which is essentially my jazz blues accelerator course. And the reason I decided not to dive right into that yet is because, A, first of all, I, I want to make sure that you show up for my Booster Jazz Blues free masterclass On this upcoming Sunday, this Sunday, when this episode's coming out, Sunday, October 6th, 2019, uh, that's coming out. So you have to sign up for that. Go to jazzbluesaccelerator.com and sign up for that masterclass. It's just 40 minutes of back-to-back value. And I do, at the end, talk about the exact strategy, like the exact process and practice program that is really just going to revolutionize your jazz blues playing and i truly believe that because it's worked for me and it's worked for others right so i I didn't want to i didn't want to give away everything there not to hold anything back from you guys because you know that if you've been listening to this podcast for a while i'm i'm an open book um i tell you everything i share as much as I can possible, but I do also believe that there's some benefit and value for you know going into this master class and having some skinning the game in that way. It's free master class. Um, Jazz Blues Accelerator is not free, but you know, uh, in order to get invited to that course, you have to go through Boost Your Jazz Blues. Um, but it's a great course, so please uh, sign up for it. So that's one reason, and th- and the second reason is I, I thought to myself I- I'd prefer to talk a little bit more about my philosophy around practicing and becoming a better musician, specifically a better jazz musician. And this ties into exactly what I'm doing in this in this Jazz Blues Accelerator course coming out this Sunday. And uh, whether or not you take that course is totally fine, but I want you to know what my thought process is, where I'm coming from. And so I'm gonna go dive into my philosophy there, why it's important to me, And it really is essentially my secret sauce to mastering a jazz blues and technically other jazz language, whether it be other jazz standards or or anything else you're trying to accomplish, okay? So I'm going to go over that right now. Let's dig right into it. So a couple weeks ago, I did a YouTube live session on YouTube. Maybe some of you listening on the show were there. I actually had one person tell me on that YouTube live, they've been listening to every single episode of this podcast since it started, which is pretty unbelievable. That's like over three years worth of of me podcasting on Learn Jazz Standards, right? So uh, big thanks to that person. and Thanks to everybody who listened to the show. But that aside, uh, someone asked me in this YouTube live, they asked me, what were the big turning points in your jazz playing? What were the big turning points in your jazz playing? And for me, every single time, the big turning point uh, has had to do, well, it has to do with multiple different things, okay? So let's start with the first one. What is the first thing that has been a big turning point for me? So number one has been coming together with a like-minded group of musicians who challenged me. Okay. So that that's number one, the number one thing, not the number one thing, but the first thing that uh, has really helped me turn a corner. And so for me, that came from uh, just when I first got into jazz, I was 18 years old. I was living in Boise, Idaho. Uh, that's where I grew up, right? I've been in New York for the, for over a decade now, but that's where I grew up and that's where I was going to high school and then I found this teacher and this small group of students that were really serious about jazz. And you know, there's not a lot of jazz out in that area, but there was a there's a pocket of it there. And I mean these guys were intense. They were hardcore. And when I got there, I I I was challenged beyond the norm. I was challenged in a way that was exceptional, right? Because I was having to play with these people and keep up with them right? Now, then I went to Seattle uh, to Cornish College of the Arts in college for my my first year of college, my freshman year of college, okay? And uh, this was a great art school. There's a lot of talented musicians there. And immediately where I used to be, you know, the best uh, jazz guitar player kind of almost in the town. I mean, there's there obviously some people that were better than me, but you know, for my age, I was, I was getting one of the hottest gigs in all, in all of town at that time. Well, now all of a sudden I wasn't, right? Even more so, right? So you know, I was challenged by the other musicians with these students, but now I was going to college and there was, just, there was players that were way above where I was and I felt I was behind. So I, 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 there's pressure there to, to, to excel. And maybe you've heard the term proximity is power. Have you ever heard that before? Proximity is power. And I believe there is some truth in that. I think there's a lot of truth in that, in fact. To be around others who are doing great things, who are at a high level at something, whatever you're trying to accomplish, in this case, jazz music, right? This will help take you to the next level. This will help push you. That's what it did for me, right? Now, the next year, I decided, you know what? Seattle's great. This college is great. But you know where I really want to be? New York City, right? And that's where I moved. That's where I still live today. I love living here. Uh, but when I came, it was all about the music, right? I came to con- my excuse for being there was I was in college, right? I was continuing my studies. Really, I just wanted to be there for the scene. I wanted to start studying with some of my heroes. I wanted to go to the clubs like Smalls and Village Vanguard and, you know, Fat Cat, which I ended up playing playing a gig, a monthly gig at for five and a half years. And I wanted to be around, right? And learn. And when I got to New York, I felt so small. (laughs) I felt so, so small. I mean, I I no longer was anything. I was just like a little minnow in this massive ocean, right, of just amazing players from all around the world who were converging upon this important city to excel and to uh, just, you know, be the best they could be at playing jazz. But I found my little spot, right, in the scene, right? I found my group of friends and my group of fellow musicians, and I started gigging around, and I got connected. And, you know, all the, I, this helped me improve so much, right? Just being exposed, being around other like-minded musicians. So really, number one is community, having a community of other musicians. They, You know, some that were better of me, some some that were just the same level as me, but we were both like, you know, we're all trying to go the same direction, right? So that, that's kind of one of the first things that I would say is, community. And the second thing is having a mentor, okay? The second thing is always having a mentor. And I've had multiple different mentors. My my very first uh, really transformational jazz mentor was Justin Nielsen, who I had a, a guest on the show, episode 100, uh, which was a great episode. Wow, that's a long time ago now. I can't believe uh, time flies, right? But that was a great episode. And I, I talked to my... I mean, he, he really had a huge impact on me for sure. And you know, having him was a push in the right direction where I started just accelerating my growth just simply because I had so. And, you know, this is this is the thing about about Justin is it wasn't like he was teaching me a bunch of fancy music theory stuff Um he like wasn't even teaching, giving me music to read, right? He he actually did almost everything by ear. Like uh, my reading skills were very poor for a long time simply because I just was never reading music when it came to jazz, right? Or even rock because I was playing rock before then. So all that really Justin was doing was I was getting together with him and he was critiquing me and helping with the places that needed to get worked on. But more than that, he was giving me direction, He was giving me a path. Let's fast forward to some other mentors that I've had. Uh, I studied with uh, guitarist Vic Juris for a while. Uh, Vic Juris was uh, a big impact on me because I was <laughs> I, I, not that the the reason he was an impact wasn't because he scared me <laughs> Vic was a really nice this Vic isn't a, a really nice guy uh, but he challenged me in a way where he wouldn't let me get away with stuff like he'd be like hey Brent here's all this stuff next time next week you come for the lesson uh have this ready to go and it was usually a lot of stuff and i came back and was like uh you know i took it seriously so i got it done and you know if i didn't get it done or if i didn't do it at a high level he wasn't mean about it but uh, you know i i i just even felt the pressure like hey i want to i want to do my best like i respect vic i want to do the best i can here so you know it wasn't even like him being hard on me or anything it was just simply like hey this mentor is taking his time and he's giving me a path. Let's follow the path. And I've had multiple other mentors as well or even just, you know, people that I didn't necessarily study with for a long period of time but who I dropped in on a lesson and they listened to my playing and just said, "Here's what I want you to do for this much time and and do this." And those those had huge impacts on me. So, number 2 is really having a mentor that really shifted, oh, you know, over time. There was not one big massive growth in my jazz playing. It's incremental. It always is incremental, but that was huge. Okay. Now, number three, and this is this is the biggest one, and this is this is where we get to my secret sauce for mastering a jazz blues. Okay. So pay attention here. Number three is having a process and a program. Okay. Now, for real, a process and a program. Now, this started with my first mentor, Justin Nielsen, um, and. When, maybe some of you have heard this story before if you've been listening to the show for a while, but what he had me do at the end of high school, I couldn't really afford to go to the music schools I wanted to, and I I didn't get big enough scholarships to afford. Like I got some scholarships and I got into most of the schools, right, like Berkeley and you know uh, some new school and some other ones, but I just wasn't getting the the funds that I needed to go. So. I was kind of stuck. All my friends were moving on. But my teacher, Justin, said, Brent, don't worry, man. You know, I'm going to... Let, let's let's work on this for... Let's work on this. Let's like, you know, give you a practice program, a really clear goals, you know, have you gigging around, keep teaching guitar lessons like I was at the time to make some money and save some more money uh, and play some gigs. But... I'm going to give you a program and so that we can you know, re-audition next year and try to get those, those big scholarships that you need, and you'll have some money saved. And I had no other choice, so I followed his lead. Now, he gave me a very stringent program, which I don't want to intimidate you with. That would just happen to be the time of my life. I had nothing to do. I wasn't married like I am now. I didn't have college classes. It was me, my guitar, and some students that I was teaching, and a a couple friends that were staying behind like me. That was it, okay? But that program started connecting some dots in my head. It started connecting some dots in my head, and started giving me some ideas, and after that, I sort of took my jazz education upon myself in many ways. Like, yes, I went on to college and they gave me stuff. But, you know, I got a, I got a jazz performance degree in college, like a bachelor in jazz performance. Okay. I know what, I know what most of this is. It, it really, a lot of it is just information, you know, it, not that there isn't some process to it. And again, uh, for me, it was studying with the teachers that was most effective, but the classes, right? It's just a lot of information, right? Not as much process. And for me, I started figuring out that if I had a process to everything that I practiced, that if I had a goal in mind, if I had a specific formula for what I was trying to reach and I stuck with that, that I was gonna get results. And it, sur- it certainly started happening in my playing. It started happening in my students' playing because I started applying, obviously, the way I was training myself to the students I was teaching. And I was noticing if the students actually do what I tell them to do, you know, which isn't all the time, they were having massive transformation. Why? Because I had a very specific, methodical treatment of how to improve their musicianship. Now, when it comes to jazz, I, I figured out the main things you need to be practicing. You need to be working on technique, and I call this uh, the my big three if you've been following me for a while. You need to be working on technique and just being able to play your instrument really well, right? Map out everything. We talked about mapping, and that goes right along with it. You need to be learning repertoire, and you need to be learning jazz language. Those are the three things. So if you have specific plans for those three things, you're going to be in a good place, right? So when it comes to my secret sauce for mastering a jazz blues... I have very specific things in mind to practice, and you've already heard about a lot of them. There's only one that I left out, which you'll find about in the Booster Jazz Blues Masterclass. So please attend that. There's only one I left out that I haven't talked about on this on this uh, podcast for for Jazz Blues Month. Uh, but you heard about some of the things, right? I talked about the three pillars of jazz blues language. I talked about how really what we're going to be working on is is etudes, that those are going to be the things that're specifically composed for specific pillars of jazz blues language right we talked about there being just regular old bluesy language that you need to know and then playing the changes cuz like you know that that's what i was hearing that was separating me from some of my peers when i first got into jazz they were rocking the changes and then bebop language. Bebop language is really important for jazz. So if you're working on those things and you have A2s that are specifically composed to, do, to help you work those in very unique ways and exercise those tools so they're no longer tools, they're now music, then you know that's the stuff we need to be working on. The mapping, the mapping stuff. Like seriously, if you worked on all the mapping stuff I talked about a couple episodes ago, <laughs> you're you have no choice. You have no choice but to improve. You have no choice but to improve. Okay, so that's the what, right? I talked about the why in the first episode, why jazz, uh, blues. I, I talked about the the what in the last two episodes. And this is really the how. Now, again, I'm gonna go over the exact how in my Booster Jazz Blues Masterclass. I know I'm teasing it a lot. It's not because I'm trying to be deceptive. I just really want you to show up to the masterclass, whether you take Jazz Blues Accelerator at the end or not. It's just, it's, I, it's, I'm really happy with the way it turned out. It turned out way better than I thought. Um, okay. So the, how is really important. Now I will give some sneak previews into the process here. Yes. Part of it does have to do with all 12 keys, but it's way more than that. So really quickly, why 12 keys in case you don't know why, why does, why does every jazz teacher and every improvising musician teacher, right? Why do they preach 12 keys? There's really good reasons for it, okay? So if you're not really convinced of this yet, or you think it's just some old thing that everybody says over and over again, let me let me reinforce why. Number one, you're going to internalize the information. My process is all about internalization. It's not just about the 12 keys, but that's part of it that helps you internalize it. So number one, it helps you internalize. Number two, blows up your ears. Huge, big, Right. Because when you start transposing things in different keys, and it's especially material that is familiar to you already, that you've already learned, your ears are going to explode. If you don't believe me, it means you haven't tried it, okay? And and then finally, taking things to all 12 keys gives you flexibility on your instrument. So let's quickly go to the mapping that we talked about. Remember I talked about the chord tone map, the guide tone map, and the scale map, and if you're able to like do all those things, it's like you've you've got the possibilities there, right? Uh, you've got the main note choices that you can possibly make, and you know the important ones to help spell out the changes for you. If you could do that flawlessly in all twelve keys using voice leading, that would be phenomenal, right? I mean, you you would you would be able to just you would rock it. Okay, so by taking things through all 12 keys, you gain technical proficiency to navigate your instrument, which you need, and you you need for jazz improvisation, for jazz blues. If you know that jazz blues form inside and out in all keys, then you're going to have no problem, and it's going to give you an unfair advantage in all the rest of jazz music. I guarantee you, if you don't believe me, you haven't tried it, all right? If you, don't, if you don't believe me, you haven't tried it. So that's why all 12 keys. But all 12 keys is not enough. Let me repeat that. Simply taking things to all 12 keys is not enough. Let me give you an example, all right? I give you a lick, okay? Play it in all 12 keys. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's better to do than just playing the lick and learning it in one key. Of course it is. But, that's, but, but th- what are you going to do with that now? Like what what, what are you going to actually do with that? You're, you're going to have to figure out a way to actually make that musical so it doesn't just sound like you learned a blues lick and now you're just copying, pasting it on top of the jazz blues form. Do you get what I'm saying? So yes, you'll you'll still get the benefits of all 12 keys, but there needs to be a firmer process in place. There needs to be some more method to it. So, really quickly, a brief outline of kind of my method, and again, I'll I'll go very in depth in this in Boost Your Jazz Blues, uh, launching coming out. The it's my free masterclass coming out on on this up uh, this Sunday, October sixth. Basically, there's three phases, and each phase starts with new material, and each phase ends with creation. Okay, new material, and then you're recycling it in different ways. You're you're you think about looking at something from different angles, right? You look at something from one angle, then you look at something from a different angle and it looks different every single time, but you're still looking at the same thing. That's what you do, okay? New material. Now at the end of the process you create. I'll talk about creation and booster jazz blues. I promise. And I'll go in depth with what I mean by that and why it's so important. But well, I'll I'll tell you why it's important. Creation is important because you have to get out on your own and start Composing jazz blues solos and playing jazz blues solos that you can be proud of, and you have to take the things that you've learned and just document where you're at, and say, "Hey, this is where I'm at. This is what I just learned. Where I am? Ne- where am I now? Right? We talked with uh, Jens Larson uh, uh, a good handful of episodes ago about recording yourself. That's important too, right? So you you create. So there has to be something with your your are learning information from an external source, but then you have to create. If you don't do that, then you're missing out on a huge important part of the learning process, and a huge important part of how you become a great jazz improviser, how you can start crushing your jazz blues solos, how you can start developing an original voice on your instrument. Are you are you are you getting what I'm putting down here? Is this is this making sense? Is this resonating with you? I I really hope it is, okay? My secret sauce for mastering a jazz blues has nothing to do with random strategies. Now, of course, in in Jazz Blues Accelerator, and so far in this Jazz Blues Month, we've been talking about strategy. There are tools, there are strategies, there will be more. Okay? There are tools, there are strategies, there will be more. However, however, it's not about Here's a bunch of content. Here's a bunch of here's the a new cool lick. Here's a new cool chord scale theory idea. Here's this magical unicorn of jazz blues greatness that's going to fall down from the sky. And now that you have the orb, you know here's a weird ritual. And you you see what I'm saying? Like there's not a magic trick people that are trying to tell you there's just magic trick after magic trick and here's the new thing you know that's great and you know go to my youtube channel or or even this podcast if you want a bunch of just lessons that are you know teaching you a bunch of cool things to do now i, I always try to make process and give you call to actions all that stuff but that that's not that is not process that is not a, a plan those are just the what right we talked about the why we talked about the what now we're talking about the how. okay? So the, the most important thing to understand is you need the, the things that have impacted me are community, having a mentor, and process, community, having a mentor, and process okay I mean that 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 is those are the things for me it's not this one gig I played (laughs) you know it's not this new fancy look I did so my call to action to you is to think of how you can get those three things how can you get those three things now of course obviously uh, you can get those three things in a course of mine but what can you do now that's what I want you to think about what can you do now All right. So that's all for Jazz Blues Month. Uh, yes. I want you to think more about this. What can you do to create process for the, your goals in your jazz blues playing, right? You want to get away from the minor pentatonic scale, away from the blues scale, and you want to go further. You want to take, you want to go deeper than you ever have before. Think about what your goals are and then think about what the process is going to be get to get there. Not just a bunch of new ideas and strategies. What is the process that you are going to commit to practicing in the practice room? And I guarantee you, you are going to get huge, 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 huge results. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, I really appreciate you. I-, I hope you enjoyed this Jazz Blues Month. I hope that you've uh, you've enjoyed this. One last time, I'll say it. I hope I'm not, you know, wearing you out with it. Uh, But please uh, join me in my free masterclass this Sunday, October 6th, Uh, Booster Jazz Blues is what it's called. It's 40 minutes of great stuff, some of which we've talked about in this course, but much of what we also have not. And it's just a great, uh, it's a great, I'm really proud of this presentation, to be honest. And it's free. And it's the only way you can get into my Jazz Blues Accelerator course, which also launches on October 6th. You will get an invite into that course uh, at the end of that masterclass, right? So... I want to make sure that you're involved in that jazzbluesaccelerator.com. But more than anything, I appreciate you just being here and listening. I appreciate you sticking around. I hope that some of this has been helpful for you. And I've heard from so many of you through emails and through you know YouTube messages and Facebook messages and all kinds of stuff, Instagram, uh, that this has been a good a good month. In fact, I've probably gotten the most good feedback thus far that I've... That I've ever had when I've done a series of podcast episodes, just hearing so many people going, Hey, I'm resonating with you. Hey, I'm resonating. And for me as a teacher, that makes me feel good. That makes me feel like I'm doing my job. If you're taking action, if you're getting something out of it, that means I'm not wasting my time here in front of this mic, right? So super stoked for that. Hey, as I always ask, if you're getting benefit from this podcast and you've never done so before, Go ahead and subscribe, of course, to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen, and make sure you give a a rating and review to other people why you like this show. I appreciate you, and I'll see you in another episode of Learn Jazz Standards Podcast. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes. And don't forget to join our jazz community at learnjazzstandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask.